the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down, let's praise Him, praise Him, praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him. Lord's been good to you. Clap your hands and stand your feet. If the Lord's been good to you, clap your hands and stand your feet. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, and praise Him. You brothers, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, 
I'm so thankful to be here today. I'm so thankful to be in the presence of the Lord today. I just want to give honor to the leadership of this church and to you church members. I love you guys very much. <clears throat> and to my wonderful wife. I'm all, um, so have Psalms 105 through, or 4 through 5. Like Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're so worthy. You're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. Oh, Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing. So it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. You guys help me pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for what you're about to do, Lord God. I just pray that you touch my lips of clay, Lord God. Let your word come forth that you have asked for it, Lord God. I just pray that you get all the glory, honor, and praise. You are worthy of it all, Lord. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in my life and what you're doing in, our, in your people's life. In your wonderful name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So today, I'm, the title I have is Greatly to be Praised. So you may be seated. <clears throat> so place yourself in the story and consider this question. What I would be able to praise the Lord if I found myself in this situation. You are a young man, your country is at war, and you're volunteer to fight. You are not drafted, you are signed up freely because you believe the cause. <clears throat> in your first battle, you are the linchpin, the deciding factor, the tips that scale, the tips that scale, tips the scales in your country's favor. You are a hero to, to the nation. Upon returning from the battlefield, they throw you a parade. You end up being promoted to general as a reward for your bravery. You marry the woman of your dreams, you buy a house together, and you continue to lead your army to victory after victory. You become a household name across the country. But the leader of your country gets jealous in your success, of your success and beloved reputation and tries to kill you. You, bar you barely escape his assassins by sneaking out a window. And your wife has to stay behind to cover for you. Now you're in the wind, on the run, hiding out while the manhunt scours the city and country looking for you. You're doing things you never conceived of having to do. You lie to your pastor to get him to help you, and it ends up getting him killed. You're so scared for the lives of your family that you hide them away to a foreign country. You have to go completely off the grid. You end up camping in a cave. Your only dubious bit of help comes from a misfit bunch of rogues who start turning up at your cave. Some are dodging debt collectors, others are thieves, and even worse. And all of these, just by virtue of showing up, expect you to feed them, clothe them, lead them. As their numbers swell, this not only becomes a log logistical problem, but it also it makes it a whole lot harder to hide out. By the time 600 of these near-do-wells have invaded your quiet sanctuary. People are starting to notice, they report you, and now the manhunt is on again. You will spend years of the, on the run, sleeping rough on dirt and rock, 
eating whatever you can find, starving when you cannot. You will live in constant fear for your life as a hunted man. Now, as you consider your condition, how much of your time and energy could you spend? How much thankfulness could you generate to write praise songs, play your instrument, sing to the Lord? You might be surprised. Somehow, in the midst of running for his life, David composed some of the most beautiful songs in human history. Imagine the nights David spent in the cave of Adullam, surrounded by this cutthroat band of scoundrels who are grumbling over the rough conditions. Their stomachs are rumbling with hunger. David pulls the leather cover off his shepherd's heart and begins to run, and begins to run his callous fingers over the strings. Heads left at as he begins to sing, these hardened men start to get goosebumps. Tears prick the corners of their eyes. And as they feel something they probably never felt before, the presence of Jehovah God. And for a little while, as their masculine voices melted in song, that rough cave became, became as holy as the sanctuary itself. So today I'm going to talk about worship and praising in the midst of some trials and tribulations. I'll be speaking about David and so his life and a lot of it, things that he had going on. David could easily have fallen into the tar- trap that many of us do when we face trials and troubles in our lives. David could have blamed God. He could have asked how God could allow him, the hero of Israel and slayer of Goliath, to be hunted like a dog across the desert and mountains of Israel. But while we do at times see David be heartbreakingly honest with God about his desperate situations, far more often we see him worshiping and praising God. David deciding, as we must as well, that no matter what the circumstances in his life might be, God was still worthy to be worshipped. Think of a time you worship despite of a bad situation. As many of you know, I have started a business over a year ago, and in that there's been a lot of trials, a lot of different things come up. The season that I'm in now, it's kind of funny. About three weeks ago, I was told that I would be teaching today, and so my emotions ran high, and I've been nervous, I've been all the all the stuff. The way I, I make a living is my dump truck. Well, the last three weeks, my dump truck has been basically broke. So I've been trying to do a lot of the maintenance myself, a lot of working on it myself, a lot of everything myself, the stress with that, the, the stress of being the father, the, the man of the house, the, the, sole per, um, the only person making any financial money. <clears throat> so I was working on my truck by myself. I don't, when I'm alone, I normally don't have music playing unless I'm in my dump truck. Um, so I was silent. I was working on my truck, and I'm stressed out because I got to get back to work. Got to get back to work. So I, just doing my thing, I end up breaking a key part to my truck. So in that min- the middle of breaking this key part, I broke. I I broke my my self brokenness. I was laying underneath the dump truck. Just what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And then I was patient, and I calmed down, and I just said, Lord, I love you. I trust you. This is what you have called me to do. This is your truck. This is yours. I worship you because you are good, and you are great, and greatly to be worshipped, and you are a mighty, mighty man, mighty spirit. You are also. And as I did that, 
I packed up, I cleaned my stuff up, I went home. I, I'm not doing any good here anyways. I done broke something. I got to go get a part anyway, so I'm just going to go home. And driving home, I realized that no matter what I do, the Lord is still good. And he's great. Worship is connected to holy reverence or fear of God. Psalms 96 and 9. Oh, worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. It is understanding of, of who God is. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Psalms 96, 4 through 5. David saw this fear of the Lord as a positive thing. God is so powerful, he is so mighty. Psalms 33 and 18 says, Behold the eye of the Lord, it's upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalms 34 and 7 assures us, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and deliver them even in the cave David could worship. Because he was certainly certain his mighty God had deliverance waiting for him. All creation points to a creator. All creation worships the Lord with a single possible exception, us. Humanity alone of all God's creation has free will. We decide whether we will praise him. The sun shines forth God's glory. The moon reflects God's glory. And the stars remind us of God's glory in an infinite majesty. majesty. Sorry if I misspeak. The intricacies of the plants and animals and landscapes all around us point to God's immersible wisdom and creative genius. These all function involuntarily to worship God. There is only one creature on earth who can refuse to worship God, and that is you and me. And when it came to humanity, God decided to give us the choice. Do I worship God or not? Voluntary worship from a willing heart, overwhelmed by a majesty, a glory, and of God means more to God than the, all the rest of creation put together. When we put it that way, how could we refuse to give Almighty God the worship He is due? Every part of creation does all it can to worship God. The sun shines as bright as it can. The birds sing as beautifully as possible. The flowers bloom in the most glorious color that can muster. Let us do the same. If you can sing, sing with everything in you. If you cannot sing, at least make a joyful noise. <laughs> if you can play an instrument, play with all the skill you possess and all for the glory of God. If you have strength in your legs, dance and jump before the Lord. If you have hands, clap them to the Lord. Raise those hands to the Lord. Worship the Lord. My favorite way to worship God is I put both hands up and I just share from my heart how good he is and how much I love him. And sometimes if you just glance over, and I might have both hands on my heart, just giving him holy reverence from my heart. Worship comes from within and from your heart and your, basically this area, if you want to, for me anyways, comes from this area, how I feel in this area, and that comes out forth to God. It is a personal, when you truly worship God, it's your personal worship to God. It's individually yours. 
But worship goes much deeper than singing and shouting, dancing and clapping. David said, oh, worship the Lord in beauty of holiness, Psalms 96 and 9. It could be argued that holiness brings even more glory to God than our praise and worship at church on Sunday. It is possible to sing and shout on Sunday, but then go out and live in such a way that it undermines our supposed high regard for God. If we truly have fear, awesome reverence, and respect for God and His will, not only come out in our praise, but it will also manifest itself in the way we live day to day. Those who truly live in awe of God will regularly ask themselves this question. Is this pleasing to God and honoring Him? When I first got into church, this is what I told myself every day. I came from a broken home. I came from, I was, people call it a jock, whatever. I was the mindset of what was best for me, how can I be the best I can be. And when I first realized that I had to be, I had to change, I changed my tongue. And you can ask Sister Casey how many times she says you can't say that word. That word is not okay. She wasn't correcting me because she was being mean. She was correcting me because my heart wanted to change. I wanted to change. I wanted to be different because I didn't want to be that. I turned away from that for a reason. I didn't want to do that. <clears throat> so everything I do now, I literally ask the Lord, does this please you? So when I was working on my truck, when I got all this stress and everything piled on top of me, is, top of me, is this pleasing you, God? Is what I'm doing right now pleasing you? And if it's not, then let me change what I'm doing. So there'll be times that I stop what I'm doing and walk away, go sit in my car or truck. And the, the most ironic or most crazy thing is my prayer closet is my dump truck. So for three weeks, I ain't had my prayer closet. So I've had to go elsewhere to pray, elsewhere to just pour out my heart to God. And it's by running around um, Indiana chasing these parts and everything, I realized that no matter where I'm at, God is already there. God is with me. God is sitting right there beside me. And if you reach up, and he'll lead you every step of the way. Holiness is based on the guidelines laid out in the word of God. But these guidelines are not an end unto themselves. They are a written reflection of God's intentions and will for our lives. When God first made, he made humanity, he said it was very good. Every part of creation was simply good. Sadly, by the time the flood, everything else in creation was still good, but humans had completely abandoned God's purpose. What had been very good was so evil, God said, I, this is Genesis 6 and 7, New King, New King James Version. I am sorry that I have made them. God was repenting, wanted to repent because he created something that was evil that he made to be good. All the evil that now exists in the world is a result of humanity departing from God's original instruction. But the good news is, we can get back on track through Jesus Christ. We can, we can be holy as he is holy. He can change our lives forever. And when we listen to and obey God's word and God's spirit, then holiness is the result. Therefore, holiness is simply fulfilling God's original plan for us. It is like the sun shining day during the day, and it is perfectly natural and perfectly glorious. It is now not some artificial construct or some 
legalistic set of rules made by a man. Instead, holiness is listening to our Creator's instructions and living the way He will always intended us to live. <clears throat> Psalms 96 and 4. The psalmist wrote, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Much has been said and written about the, the difference between worship and praise. These are clearly closely related or sometimes used interchangeably. Some say worship is what we do because of what God is and praise is what we do in response <clears throat> to what God has done. Others would say worship is directed toward God alone for him to hear while praise is when we tell others about what God has done. David made this connection between praise and, and the other people when he wrote, Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. That's Psalms 96, 3 through 4. Whether we are aim, aiming our praise to worship directly or praising him to others around us, we certainly have a, a lot to praise God for. Psalms 105, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. <clears throat> Think for a moment how important it is that Lord is, the Lord is good. God is all-powerful. Imagine if he were evil instead of good. What if God were cruel and impulsive like the false gods of many nations in history who would survive? Who would survive? What would our lives look like? But instead, over and over, the Bible assures us that the Lord is good. He gives good gifts to his children. He sends rain, rain as a symbol of blessing on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun to shine on both because he wants all people to know he loves them. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James 1 and 17 says this, Every good thing in life comes from the Lord. God's mercy never expires. It is new every morning, time and again. David would sin and fail and fall, but he always turned back to God. He always got up again. He always repented, and he always found that God's mercy was everlasting. He always repented. That is what we need to do, is always be with a repented heart. <clears throat> I, tell, I tell the youth all the time, just repent. It, just be sorry for what you did, and if you want to really, truly change, you will change. Because what you say, I am sorry for, God says, I take that. Okay? Now go on and do better. Do better than you was before. We too often stumble and fall. There is a nonstop war between our flesh and our spirit, between the cardinal and the spiritual. And while we are like to pretend we are perfect when we come to church and on Sunday, the truth is we are not. We are not perfect, but we are redeemed. We are not perfect, but we are loved. We are not perfect, but we are forgiven and made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Rather than acting supernatural, super spiritual, I'm sorry, what if we were to praise God to our friends, coworkers, and saved loved ones by saying, here's where I was, a sinner down and out. Here's where Jesus did for me. This is what Jesus did for me. That's our testimony. That's who we, that's, that's our perfect, our personal story. The Bible has lots of stories and lots of actions that men did 
for the glory of God. We, our individual, have our own story for the glory of God, for everything that we can do for the Lord. Here, here's how I used to feel. Here's how I feel now. And maybe the, that will strike a chord with someone who is tired of living life out of tune with the Creator. Maybe someone near you is already sensing that the way he or she is living is along the lines of the sun shining only every once in a while. Not fulfilling the purpose of the Creator or pleasing the Creator, which has left a hole inside. Well, thanks to God, everlasting mercy, it is not too late for this person or any person. What is one thing you can praise the Lord for today? Me personally, I did praise the Lord today for His will in my life, and He turned me into a better man every day. Every day, I get back. I try to ask for him to put me back on the potter's wheel for the mistakes I made the day before. Put me back in your grace. Put me back in your will. Because your will is better than anything I could ever do. I had a choice a while ago, several weeks ago. The Lord asked me again. This is probably the fourth or fifth time he asked me, do you want my will? And when he said, do you want my will, it was... I felt the trials and the tribulations. I felt the pain, the sorrow that would come with his will. But after that, there was always a peace. Because after he said it, there was a peace. Or do you want what your flesh has, which was nothing? Which it was, everything was easygoing. Everything was how the world would perceive it to be. And as I bawled my eyes out, as I poured to the Lord, I said, yes, I want your will, no matter what it looks like. For the last three weeks, four weeks, I have fought tooth and nail for my livelihood that the Lord has given me. Many don't know, but the Lord spoke to me January 4th, 2021, in the midst of a global pandemic to start a business. That sounds crazy. But in the middle of this, I trusted the Lord with everything I had. Everything that I could do was for the Lord. Even today, I was like, Lord, it's your truck. It's yours. I, I, just op, I just run things behind the scenes. He's the one that runs the truck. It's his will that happens. So the truck is broke right now. And I look at him and I say, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I'm panicking. I'm frustrated. I'm all of the emotions that we have as creatures. And he says, but are you still going to worship me? Are you still going to love me even though you don't know what's to come? So in the middle of all this pain and struggles, my wife still, I still believe in you, honey. I still trust you, honey. My babies are loving me more than they have before. But I realized that no matter what, my family is fine. I have a loving wife. I have a loving boy. He might be honoring. I have a, a sweet baby girl who's a little wrapped around my finger, and she knows it. I have a wonderful home. Wonderful land, wonderful animals. These are the many blessings the Lord has given me. So in this trials and this tribulations, if I can look at the good things that the Lord is, because he is good, and he deserves everything I can give to him, regardless of how my feelings are. As we talk to others about God, we prove once again that his truth endures to all generations. We serve the same God today. That David served some 3,000 years ago, and the same God Noah served 1,000 of years before that. A continuity of truth comes. Sorry. 
to us through the ages and through the pages of this book that is unshaken by the ravages of time. Critics have come and gone, but this book remains. Governments and empires have risen and tried to eradicate this book, but they have fallen. The Bible still stands. Philosophers have tried to suggest alternatives to this book's pure morality. But all human philosophies have failed to create the heart change that this book's this book created in humanity. In this postmodern era, every, everything is being questioned. The old age question that Pontius Pilate posed to Jesus at, the, at his trial still echoes in our society today. What is truth? John 18 and 38. This very foundation of society are being, being eroded. Reality itself is being questioned. And humanity is rushed to ensure that everyone is non-judgmental, intolerant, and many people have lost touch with rationality and reason itself. Many have dismissed the Bible as being too absolute, too cut and dry. It is statements of facts to fit with a supposedly progressive modern mindset. But we can be thankful that while heaven and earth may pass away, the world will never pass away. We as Christians do not have to watch the foundations of our lives be swept away by a wishy-washy worldview that changes from one day to the next. We are built on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and his word. When it comes to the pressure from the world on us individually, I tell the youth, this, you have to make your choice right or wrong. It's a decision you have to deal with. So for me, I choose to take what the Bible says. Not what the world is telling me to do. Sometimes the crowd isn't always the best to follow. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. I had Sister Alana write it on the board back there before, before I came up here. So they have it back there. And this is Jesus speaking. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad it in the way that it leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. If everybody says it's okay, are you willing to say, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is, and this is why. Can you explain why it's not okay? Can you, for yourself, it's not what Bishop says, it's not what Pastor West or Pastor Ty says, but do you understand why it's right, why it's wrong? That is one thing I, I get the privilege to, com, to convey to the youth back there is why I live the way I do. Because as the example for them, if they can see that Brother Thomas's truck is broke, but he still comes to church, he's still worshiping the Lord, he's still got tears coming down his face, even though he doesn't know what's going on. He still loves God with everything he has. That is the example that I tried to convey to them because through the trials and tribulations, our God is still good. I just love the youth. Can I just say that? It's not, I just love the youth. They're so, they're amazing young ladies and young men. Given all of this, what should be our reaction? David has a suggestion. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, Psalms 104. 
When we come into the church, we should come with words of thanksgiving and praise on our lips and with thankfulness in our hearts. And every day we should enter into his presence in prayer and praise. We should bless his name for all he has done and give him glory. What glory do we have to give God? Any and all glory that we have, we may have. Anything good we do, we give the glory to God. Any achievement we may attain, we give the glory to God. Any talent we may have, we give the glory to God. Praise him, bless him, and give him glory for what he has done in your life. And I will close with this. I'm actually doing okay. In the ancient world, usually if a king established or promoted the worship or a particular national deity, he did so in an effort to establish his own position more firmly. King Nebuchadnezzar, for instance, recaptured the idol of Babylonian god of Marduk from the Alamanites. Then he used that as propaganda to show what a great king he was. King Darius of Persia whose right to rule was tenuous at best, built a monument proclaiming multiple times that he was chosen to be king by the god Ahura Mazda himself. In Egypt, the pharaohs likewise claimed to be divinely chosen, even divinely them, themselves. In short, ancient monarchs used their gods to make themselves look better, become more powerful. But David... At a different approach, the day came when he left the cave and took up the crown. When that day came, David went out to recover the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, and bring it to Jerusalem. You might expect him to walk through the gates he made that moment, all about his own personal glory, but instead David laid aside his royal garments, put on a simple linen ephod, and danced before the Lord with all his might. The singers were singing the priests were offering sacrifices. The instruments were blaring, and David was dancing in the street dressed like a common slave. He didn't care who was watching. He didn't care what people would think. As far as David was concerned, God was worthy of worship and praise. God had delivered David out of the hand of all of his enemies. And out of the hand of Saul, God had anointed David to be king. Now David danced and worshiped in God's presence with total abandon. What a lesson for us. What would, you worship, what would your worship look like today if you forgot about everything and everyone else around you and simply focused on God, who He is, what He has done for you this day? Why not throw off your shyness and simply worship and praise God? For He is God. He is the Creator. He is our Savior. He is good. His mercy everlasting, His truth endeavors to all generations. I love you all. That's, we got about 10 minutes here. I love you all. And, um, take this short intermission, and we'll be back at 11.15 service. I love you all.